This evening we're looking at Psalm 12 and the title of my sermon is What is Truth? What is Truth? We live in a world that spins on an axis of lies, deception, a world in which questionable and unverifiable information and outright lies reach into our morally corrupt hearts and they're presented as truth to us. Especially, uh, we, we receive them as truth, don't we? A lot of things that are clearly lies and yet we receive them as truth or new truth because the lies that we're being fed are much more convenient than the real truth. So there's no absolute truth anymore. Truth is whatever you want, whatever suits you, whatever's more convenient, whatever is more palatable. <coughs> a clear example of a lie being of greater value than truth is the whole abortion thing. I've stood with other pro-lifers, including some people in here this evening, and we've been opposed and abused by people in our capital. Those people have insisted to us that it is a woman's right to choose. A woman's right to choose. That is the lie that they've been fed and they've embraced that lie. It sounds good and honourable until you consider what the choice is about. A woman's right to choose. Sounds like empowerment for women, doesn't it? Until you consider that the thing that they're choosing on and what they, they when they choose abortion, that is, I, 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 I might be wrong, but it seems to me to be the greatest violation of God's royal law. A law that places a duty upon us to love our neighbour as ourselves. And when killing unborn babies is presented to us as a woman's choice, a woman's right to choose, you can tell it's a lie. It's a lie. It's not about choice at all. And it's they put such a big spin on it. And that spin has been accepted by so many people. I've seen and been on the receiving end of a tremendous zeal and fervour from supporters of women's right to choose to have abortions. So much so then that so much so that I've there have been times when I've honest I've been standing face to face with the supporters of a woman's right to choose, because this is what they've been told and what they've taken on board. And I thought to myself, if they thought if they could get away with it, they would kill me. Sounds a bit extreme, doesn't it? But think about it, what they're supporting there is death of babies. So why shouldn't I think that if they thought they could get away with it, they would kill me? They really would. As it was, 
They didn't kill me. I'm here this evening. But they would tell me what a disgusting person I was and that I should be ashamed of myself. And that gives you some idea of just how much those people have chosen to buy into an evil lie, one in which they support baby killing and viciously oppose those who oppose it. I know that there are some in here and many others elsewhere who have experienced precisely what I have experienced. In our land, the chief proponent for the advancement of that evil lie that dresses up baby killing as women's rights or women's reproductive health care is a democratically elected politician named Dr. Allinson. Flushed with his success in having the existing abortion laws relaxed about five years ago, he then went on to be re-elected with a comfortable 24% of the votes in his constituency. That was a, uh, that was a resounding endorsement of his law that he had brought in. And he is now busy with his private member's bill seeking to introduce assisted dying on this island for those who choose to end their life. Because after all, it is your right to end your life. So if and when that one becomes law, he will have to answer to God for human deaths across the entire age range, from the unborn to the aged and anyone else in between. And so too will all the many people who have bought into his evil lies about a woman's right, woman's reproductive rights and people's rights to end their lives, they will have to answer to God You'd have to ask, how long have people been fed lies which they have chosen to believe because the lies suited them? It was convenient for them. More convenient than embracing the truth. If you read in the book of Genesis about how sin came into the world, you'll see that sin entered via half-truths, lies and deceptive words that were spoken to Eve by the devil in the Garden of Eden. It was certainly enough for her to cave into temptation and sin. And before we even look at that, I'm just thinking on the spot here of another lie from professing Christian preachers who have um, reduced the account of what happened in Eden and the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve as some kind of poetry and nothing to be taken literally. And this is what's being preached from the pulpits now. It's another lie. And people are falling for that lie. But anyway, coming back to the Garden of Eden, the Lord had already said to Eve's husband, Adam, of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. However, God placed a, pro- a prohibition on eating from the from just one tree in that garden, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And 
God placed that prohibition upon eating the fruit from the tree of knowledge of good and evil when he said to Adam, But of the tree of knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. Couldn't be clearer. What happened next was the serpent didn't go to Adam. He went to Eve and he deceived her by saying, Yea, have God said, ye shall not eat of the tree of the garden? By misquoting God, Satan introduced ambiguity and doubt in Eve's mind. Also the serpent said to Eve, ye shall not surely die, when God had expressly said that they would surely die. As for what happened next, we're told in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 6 that when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise, so all these things which were pleasing to her, good for food, pleasant to the eyes, to be desired, although God had said that they were not allowed to eat from that tree, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat. And gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. She made that decision. The lust of the eyes. Lust of the flesh. She wanted it, so she decided she was going to have it. And she chose to believe the lie of the devil. The consequences of listening to the lies and deceptive words of the of Satan and opting for a course of action that seemed much more appealing was that by one man sin entered the world and death by sin and so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned it opened the floodgates of sin when they did Adam and Eve did the unthinkable and disobeyed God because they wanted to believe the lie that was presented to them. It's not for nothing that in John chapter 8 verse 44, the Lord Jesus Christ speaking about the devil, who is the prince of this world, Jesus said, he was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth. Isn't that interesting? The prince of this world, the devil, abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own for he is a liar and the father of it. I'm sure Jesus could have said many other things about the devil but he seemed to major on the fact that The devil is a liar and the father of lies. Can you see why this world spins on an axis of lies and deceit? You know why now? Because the the God of this world, the prince of this world, Satan, is the father of lies. David the psalmist, who lived about 3,000 years ago, knew a thing or two about living in a world full of liars and lies and spin. Look again at Psalm 12, verses 1 and 2. Help, Lord, for the godly man ceaseth, for the faithful fail from among the children of men. They speak vanity, every one with his neighbour, with flattering lips and with a double heart do they speak. In verse 1, David was crying out to God for help 
as he saw it, all the godly people were gone, everyone was speaking lies and words of flattery and deceit. How David felt was probably probably similar to the prophet Elijah a hundred years later. The prophet Elijah, he was the, he thought that he was the only, he felt as if he was the only one left who had not bowed the knee to (coughs) false gods. God reassured him that he wasn't the only one, that there were, that God had reserved 7,000 others who had not bowed the knee to idols. Nevertheless, it didn't stop Elijah feeling as if he was the only one left. Everyone else had, um, was idolatrous, so it seemed to him. And we, it seems like David was going the same kind of thing there. Everyone around him was telling lies and flattery. And David was crying to God for help. Verses 3 and 4. The Lord shall cut off all flattering lips and the tongue that speaketh proud things. Who have said, with our tongue we will prevail. Our lips are our own. Who is Lord over us? The words of verse 3 demonstrate very clearly that far from David's cry for help in verse 1 being an indication that he had lost hope. It it may look as if he's lost hope in verse 1, but he hadn't. He was in fact a man of great faith who was in no doubt that those liars would be judged by the Lord, perhaps with some calamity in this life and most certainly with hellfire. Unless there was no, unless there was rather repentance in their hearts. It's a bit strong coming from here, isn't it? Unless those liars repented, they could look forward to hellfire at the judgment. Make no mistake about it. Heaven is not a place for unrepentant liars. As it is written in Revelation chapter 21 and verse 8, but the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable, and murderers, and whoremongers, and sorcerers, and idolaters. A lot of terrible things so far. How about this? And all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. The second death. When you die of old age, or you get run over by a bus, or whatever's going to happen to you, that's the first death. But this is speaking about the second death at the judgment. All liars, alongside murderers and whoremongers, idolaters and who knows what. That verse puts liars along the terrible abominations, such as the sexually immoral. Despite our leaders promoting and celebrating homosexuality, Many of you probably know that the Old Testament describes homosexuality as an abomination. I don't know, maybe you didn't know that, but it does. It's not me. Well, it's the Bible. That is the words of the King James Bible. King James Bible, homosexuality, homosexuality, it's an abomination. In other versions, it's detestable. means the same thing. But did you know that in Proverbs chapter 12 verse 22, it is written that lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. Now that really is something, isn't it? 
homosexuality is an abomination, but so too are lying lips an abomination to the Lord. Can you see why it's alongside whoremongers, sorcerers, idolaters, and who knows what in Revelation chapter 21 and verse 8? God hates lying lips. For now, we see in verse 4 the arrogance of all who speak lies. Look at the end part, end bit of verse 4. Who is Lord over us, they say. Such words expose the wickedness of rebellious hearts. It is nothing less than the spirit of Antichrist. Just listen to what the Apostle Paul said about the consequences for Antichrist. There are many Antichrists in the world. Anyone who denies God and his son is an Antichrist. Anyone who denies that Jesus has come in the flesh is an Antichrist. I can think of many people who fit that description. description. But also, the Apostle Paul speaks of the Antichrist, the man of sin who will come in the end times. And just listen to what Paul said about the consequences for Antichrist and all who believe his lies when the Lord Jesus Christ comes again in judgment at the end of the world. In Thessalonians, uh, in, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 8 to 12, Paul said, And then shall that wicked be revealed. This is the man of sin. That wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. Lying wonders, that's going to characterize him. Lying wonders. And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they receive not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. So people will be deceived by the Antichrist, because they do not want to receive the truth. They will be deceived by his lying wonders. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. That they all might be damned who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Again, you see it in this world. People make a decision to believe lies. Because they do not want to receive the truth. You understand that, and we're going to come to it again, but you can understand that when you know not so much what is truth, but who is the truth. Who is the truth? Someone can answer me that if you wish. Christ. Christ. Jesus is the truth. And this is a world that hates Jesus. Therefore... It hates the truth. Look at verse 5. For the oppression of the poor, for the sighing of the needy, now will I arise, saith the Lord. 
I will set him in safety from him that puffeth at him. The poor and the needy there in verse 5. They're God's people. Christians in here, the poor and needy. All of you who belong to Jesus, you're poor in spirit. You acknowledge by the grace of God, you acknowledge that if you were, if it were not for the grace of God, instead of you having a hope of heavenly glory, you would have nothing more than this present life of lies and deceit and various other abominations. And you would be every bit as, you would be up to your neck in that stuff just like everybody else. I know I would. However, by the grace of God, you belong to Jesus, who when he was in the world, he did no sin, neither was there any guile, no deception in his mouth. And you belong to Jesus by the grace of God. Jesus, who has lifted you up out of all that, all those abominations, including the lying lips. However, your position in Christ will inevitably make you an enemy of this world of liars. People who hate the truth. Even so, be of good cheer. The Lord has said, I will set him in safety from him that puffeth at him. We've just seen that. In verse 5. When looking at verse 5, there's no reason to imagine that God will remove you Christians from those who speak lies, flattery and deceit. However, the Lord will keep you safe and secure in this world inasmuch as you will not believe the lies. That is keeping you safe. He will stop you from being deceived. Or yourselves being proponents of lies. Like the lies of those who perish because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. The Lord will keep you from that. Keep you from that evil. In what way does the Lord rise up and set his chosen ones in safety from him that puffeth at him? How does the Lord rise up and protect his people? The answer to that is in verse 6. Look at verse 6. The words of the Lord are pure words as silver tried in a furnace of gold, uh, furnace of earth, purified seven times. That speaks of the purity of the Bible, which is the word of God, the God who cannot lie. And therefore the Bible is truth from cover to cover. How many times have I said this? When you open up your Bible, you're opening up to pure truth. And when you read your Bible, you immerse yourself in truth. It's a very rare commodity in this world, but we have it in our Bibles. Faithfully preserved over many years now. And we can thank God for that, because if it were not for uh, for God making sure that the Bible would be preserved, we would have no copies of the Bible anywhere. But we do. Even now, in this age of lies and deception, you want truth, you've got it in your Bible. Whether it's in a book or a Bible app on your phone. Truth. A wonderful thing, that is. 
In a world that legalises same-sex marriage and allows men to declare themselves to be women and women men, in a world that calls evil good and good evil, that puts darkness for light and light for darkness, that puts bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter, you need not be guided by the light of the, the, the darkness of this world. Be guided by the light of God's word. His word His words which are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of earth. Years ago, now time moves on, but years ago, when I was doing door-to-door work in, in East London with a colleague of mine, we were invited into the home of a, a, a woman. She was a local politician, a councillor. But I mean, a councillor in London... Had, has more, she probably had more people voting for her than an MHK on this island. You know, so it's a completely different ball game. So this local councillor, she said that she was a Christian and she invited us into her home. But it's interesting that she was a councillor in an inner London ward. You think, well, she's saying she's a Christian. I wonder what her Christianity is all about because she's people have voted her in in a predominantly should we say a predominantly non-Christian part of London anyway we soon found out it didn't take long at all and, and she was she was telling my colleague and myself how important it is to keep up with the times and that everything's constantly evolving and we need to adapt as we go with the, the, the flow of this world. And I just sat there and listened to my colleague and she was brilliant. She said, no, 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 you've got that wrong. You're to judge everything under the light of God's word. Everything. And that's what we should be doing. Again, this is truth. Pure truth. Word of God that speaks to us about the one who we sung about earlier, the one who is the way, the truth and the life, the Lord Jesus Christ. In a world of lies and very appealing lies, appealing to corrupt flesh, wicked hearts, hearts that are Desperately wicked, deceitful above all things, we're told in the Bible, aren't doesn't it? The Bible tells us in Jeremiah chapter 17 that the heart is deceitful above all things. And what that means is you don't just deceive others. You will be deceived by your own heart. Each one of you can be very easily deceived by your own wicked heart. And how do you stop that happening? As far as I can work out, there is only one way. You need to be looking at everything under the light of God's word. How else can you do it? You could pray about it and you should pray about it. But the, the way God works generally, not always of course, but generally it can be explained in very, very natural ways if you like. Reading the Bible. You don't just pray and then hope that God will somehow magic you to 
um, to, to not fall for the lie. Immerse yourself in God's truth and do it prayerfully. And then you'll know when something is wrong, when you're being deceived, when something is not good, it's bad. Finally, about 2,000 years ago, a Roman governor by the name of Pontius Pilate said, what is truth? When he said those words, he was staring truth in the face. The Lord Jesus Christ, who is full of grace and truth, was right there with Pontius Pilate, the incarnate son of God. The governor said, what is truth? We all know what happened next. The truth was nailed to a wooden cross and he was lifted up to die. Although this world would have the truth forever nailed to a cross, Jesus is not nailed to a cross anymore. Praise God for that. Jesus is now highly exalted and seated at the right hand of the throne of God, having by his death at the cross destroyed him that had the power of death. That is the father of lies, the devil. He received a crushing blow at the cross. The devil did. All of you who are trusting in Jesus are clothed in him. You are people who worship God in spirit and in truth. If you haven't already done so, of necessity, the first lie that you must reject is that you are essentially a good and truthful person. That is a big lie in itself. The reality is that your throat is an open tomb. With your tongue you have practiced deceit. The poison of asps is under your tongue. Repent. Come to Jesus as you are, poor and needy sinner. Trust in Jesus as the one who has paid the penalty for all your sins, including all your lies about yourself and your denials about the creator God who made you. And you will find rest unto your soul. Amen. Now the God of patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded one toward another according to Christ Jesus, that ye may with one mind and one mouth glorify God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.